What the hell is the name of this thing? Is this Wayne's World? The award-winning Evan Grant. I can't even count anymore on my fingers and toes. Kevin Sherrington. Kevin Sherrington, clown number one. Barry Horn. He tried to get me in mid-chew. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Ballsy Baseball Edition. I'm Evan Grant, cued in by Kevin Sherrington and along with Barry Horn. Hello, Barry. Hello, Kevin. We're baseballsy. We're baseballsy. Yeah, there you go. Uh, this is a Sports Day DFW and the Dallas Morning News' uh, baseball podcast. And we are joined by – are you a surprise guest today or are you in Tucson? Where are you, Tom? I'm actually in Peoria. You're in Peoria, um, okay. I'm so, in Peoria, but I did make it down a surprise today. All right, so you, you can technically be our first surprise guest. Uh, Tom Wilhelmson, the Rangers' new uh, reliever that was acquired in a trade for Leonis Martin, joins us. And I have to say he is also the first reliever I have ever seen walk into a clubhouse wearing Birkenstocks. So congratulations on that. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm not in Seattle anymore, huh? i got to trade him in for some boots, I think. No, don't do that. The, the the Birkenstocks are a good look. It's it it just says right there that you're a reliever. I think. <laughs> yeah, pretty much different breed down there, huh? Absolutely, <laughs> and you are a different breed among relievers. You have had quite the journey to where you are. Um, let's just very quickly before we go back into your story, let's just talk about uh, your situation here with Texas. You have pitched as a long guy. You have pitched as a setup guy. You've pitched as a closer. This is a bullpen that looks like it's very deep. Uh, is there a preference on your part for for roles? Has a role been brought up to you? How do you think you things shake out here? Yeah, you know, um, there's certainly a number of guys that are capable of closing on this club, and you know, I haven't been told exactly what I'm going to do other than to kick some ass. I'm sorry, kick some butt. That's uh, all right. No, it's no, a, it's podcast. a podcast. It's a podcast. You... Ass is okay. It's a podcast called okay. Ballsy, so you can do that. All right, well, good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I love closing, no doubt about it. Um, but I'm certainly, like, getting over in this trade, I'm certainly not expected or expecting to just hand over, get that roll over, especially how well Tolleson did. And, and of course, the other couple of guys, Dyson and Keela there. Um, so, you know, I'm just going to, you know, one of the funnest years I had um, was when I was a long guy, um, and we were – that was a 2014 campaign over in Seattle, and that bullpen was pretty good. Um, obviously, every every place you go is different. So I'm just going to take a seat back and watch how these guys go about their business because it seems to be working, and um, you know, then I'm going to mess my way in. Tom, what if Jeff Bannister decides that he's going to have a situational closer, that he's going to wait to look at the matchups and see how those go? How would that go over, do you think, in the bullpen? I think it would be fine. Um, I think everybody would embrace it. Uh, you know, it seems to be that that's maybe kind of the way the, the game is going anyway. And, um, you know, like I said, there's a number of guys back there that can, that are fully capable of getting the job done in seventh, eighth, or even ninth inning. Um, so, yeah, if that's the way it turns out, then, then we'll fully embrace it and buy in. You don't think that the guys would say, hey, man, you know, if I'm a closer, that's what I am, and it's going to cost me money in the next round of negotiations if I if I don't uh, rack up 40 saves? Well, sure, you know, I guess that's totally possible. Um, you know, but ultimately it really comes down to, to postseason winning a World Series. And I'd like to believe that everyone in this clubhouse is 
is on the same boat and uh, as far as that's concerned and and you know we're just going to focus on winning baseball games yeah I, I, you know the people i've talked to kevin i, I indicate that the idea of a fully situational closer is not really feasible in the game today because guys do have their routines and they do start to get ready at different times. I do think in, in an ideal world, Jeff Bannister would love to have that idea. He's also got kind of an, I, I think this group was a very egoless group last year and he's got the weapons. If you look at Tom's numbers, per, by, for instance, he is death on right-handed hitters, particularly the combination of, of Albert Pujols and Mike, Mike Trout. Uh, you have a save situation in the ninth inning against Anaheim. That's a that's a pretty tempting situation to go to. You have a, a situation where well, I, I think where this more plays out is if Tollison has pitched two or three days, you don't get to that situation like you did at the end of last year where he's pitching on fumes and pitching for a fourth consecutive day. But you've got weapons here. Diekman against left-handers. Dyson, if you need ground balls. Tollison can, can, can come in and pitch to both right-handers and left-handers. And, and, and Will Helmson, obviously, is a guy who, who has been really good against right-handers. And we haven't even mentioned Keone Kiela, who I think, if anything, profiles long-term as the most closer-like guy out there. Um, but, 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 Tom, can you, can you see a situation in, in which you guys do kind of gravitate towards, towards that kind of ideal where hey, we do see that, that, that this is a situation that plays more to this guy's strengths? Well, um, well, yeah, and I think I can see that because uh, Bannister hasn't really told me specifically what my role is, or, you know, I can't speak for the other guys, but, um, you know, I sat with uh, Keone the other day in Frisco, and, and, you know, he kind of mentioned that idea, too, about, you know, it's just going to be awesome, man. Glad you're here. We got, you know we got three or four guys that can come in at any given time and kind of like a timeshare, if you will. Um, so I, a timeshare yeah. bullpen. I, I like, like that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Evan's going to steal that. Yeah. He's writing it down. <laughs> I am. Trademark, guys. No <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, I think, uh, I think that's kind of where I'm at until we hear otherwise. All right, so we, we've got all everything that's going forward here, what we think is going to be happening with this Rangers bullpen. Uh, let's talk about you and a little bit of your past. You had, you've had a very interesting background in, in baseball. And, and first of all, I'll start off with the fact that you, your dad uh, was or is a high school baseball coach. Is that correct? My father? Yes. Yeah, yeah, he was, uh, he was pitching coach, I guess, uh, uh, my last couple years in high school, yeah. And my coach throughout my whole life, really. And uh, and so you you certainly had a lot of, of baseball in your life in your young life, and then there came a point in your career when you uh, were with the Brewers, and uh, and things were going really well. Uh, at least they were uh, certainly speeding things up for you. And you got hurt, um, and and then there was a little bit of a period there where you were uh, and you were out of baseball, and you were and uh, and the, I guess I guess the, you failed a couple of drug tests, and the and the Brewers suspended you for a year. Uh, and then you decided you did not really want to come back from baseball. So tell us a little bit about all of that. Yeah, um, you know, that's pretty much how it went down. Uh, you know, growing up playing ball my whole life, exactly what I wanted to do, wanted to get drafted and continue to play ball. Um, I didn't really fully understand uh, what a full-time commitment it was. And, you know, 
ultimately, that's just not what I wanted at the time in my life. Um, had I stuck with it, I don't think I'd even be here right now. Um, just because I was not giving it 110%, which is what you need to do, obviously. I mean, there's so many folks in the minor leagues, or even away from the minor leagues, that are trying to get that one position. So if you're not busting your butt, then uh, what are you even doing here? And that's kind of the realization I came to. Um, and so I was stepped away and uh, didn't touch a ball, think about baseball for five or six years. I went back home to Tucson, uh, bartended for for that time, spent some time traveling and hiking and backpacking all around the western United States. Um, everything's going peachy king, just the way I wanted. And finally I got this itch. Uh, you know, I want to do something else. I'm, I'm kind of getting bored with this bartending gig, and, and I want to do something. And I didn't know anything other than baseball, so I called up my father and asked him to play a catch, and that just sort of happened, and, you know, every other day, and started getting in shape, and coincidentally, it was the day before I got married, um, I got a call from the Tucson Toros, there's an independent team, there was an open tryout, and I wrote him in a letter explaining who I am, I have some experience, I'd like to get back into it, yada yada, and, and they ended up calling me, like, you know, you didn't have to write us a novel explaining your life story, it's an open tryout, um, so you're more than welcome to show up, so, so I tried out for that team, and I ended up making it. Um, and, you know, Jack Zarenzik, who was the general manager with the Mariners at this time, he was the original scouting director who drafted me in, in uh, Milwaukee. So I had a little bit of a history with him, and a couple of my guys reached out to him, and well, one guy actually <laughs> reached out to him and said, hey, you want to give this kid a shot? Throw him again. Um, and sure enough, he did. And, uh, you know, I'm just extremely thankful and, and proud of that, yeah. So here we are five, six years later. Tell them what you were throwing, though, to get them interested again. How fast? Uh, I was, yeah, I was throwing um, upper 90s. I was throwing upper 90s. It came back real quick. Um, I'm not going to say everything did. Obviously, location was a little bit of an issue and, and, and touching your you know, your change-ups and your curveballs. Um, but, yeah, the, the arm, you know, felt great. And uh, it was coming out really good, so it was upper 90s, and, and I'm sure that helped. And it, uh, it destroyed your uh, father's catcher's mitt, as I understand. Isn't that correct, when <laughs> the first time you went back yeah, out? Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm not sure if, uh, if that's a fish story or not, but, um, <laughs> yeah. He we would, like he it, though. And, he'd sit back and catch me <laughs> the first couple of times I was thrown off the mound, and, you know, I'm scared this <laughs> really. Like, I'm going to kill my father with a ball in the dirt at 95, and, um but he was pretty good. He got the glove there in time. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me ask you this. Uh, I'm, I'm always interested in this. What's it like when your father is your coach? Good, bad, harder? Is he harder on you, easier on you, harder? What's it like to, to be pitching for your dad? Boy, you know, it's weird because I had just grown up as, with him as my coach the whole time, so I kind of really didn't know any better. Um, I think, if anything, it helped me, you know, just having my dad there be more involved in – and more hands-on, um, you know, like he didn't allow me to throw a curveball until I was 18 years old. And, um, wow. you know, he wanted to make sure my brother and I were, were just getting, um, I guess, the the right tools and, and going about it the right way um, so we could stay healthy and maybe pursue this if that's something that we wanted to do. So um, I don't rec recollect him being too hard on me at all. 
Um, other than when I was playing stupid baseball, you know, or, or selfish baseball or something, not being a, a good teammate or something. But, um, no, I think it worked out uh, for the best, him, him being my coach for all these years. So, Tom, I, I want to go back to the start of this whole uh, the, the sabbatical. After after the suspension, did you start to – you went to extended spring, correct? Okay, yeah. So, right, I took I took a year off. Um and a, a suspension, I guess. And um, yeah, I seriously, no. I remember, I remember that very well. I remember walking up and asking for the year off, and they in turn just suspended me. Ah, okay, uh, okay. Whichever, that's fine. I did, I did uh, fail a drug test, um, but that was separate from the suspension, at least as far as I can remember. But um, so yes, I took this year off. You know, do I really want to do this? I'm going to go out and travel a little bit and, and uh, go camping and hike and explore in the woods. And and I said, you know what? You're you're a fool not to give it another shot. You better go for it. And and so I came back and I did about two weeks of it. And I was like, well, I'm a fool for staying here because my heart's not in it. It's just not what I want to do. So um, so then I left. Yeah, about two weeks after I decided to come back or so. Okay. So during during the year the sabbatical, you traveled. You traveled to Europe, you traveled to Hawaii, you traveled to, you traveled, you backpacked across the U.S., the western part of the U.S. Uh, where was the most fascinating place you ended up? Oh, man. Oh, man, I don't know. You know, it's there's so many spots out there that are special in their own rights. It's, it's really tough to, tough to say, but, um, you know, we recently found a little spot in Mexico, um, just north of Puerto Vallarta. It's a sleepy little surf town, and uh, we've been going back there for a couple years now. Um, but, you know, I'd be lying to you if I said that Zion National Park wasn't on my top list. Um, we've been back there a couple of times as well. I'd be lying to you if I said I had a terrible time at Oktoberfest in Munich. Because <laughs> that was freaking really awesome, too. Um, and gorgeous country over there in Bavaria. Um, and then, of course, you know, just all the history and the, some of the places we went to over there in Europe and in Venice and Rome and Paris and all these museums. Like, it's it's really neat. It's something both my wife and I really enjoy, and, and we're kind of lugging our kids are along with us. Uh, so whether they like it or not, it really doesn't matter. They're stuck with us, right? So are you paying any attention to baseball, what's going on in baseball while you're what this year? Are you paying any attention? During well, during I mean, that year when you're off? a little bit after I was traded, um, I really wasn't expecting it at the time, and and now you know I've got a bunch of teammates. I've played against all these guys for a number of years, but um, but now it's you know now I'm playing with them alongside them. So so uh, uh, so uh, yeah, I've been been following a little bit more. I, I'm sorry, these guys are, are are like attacking me for asking that question. I meant the year that you were off, and you're traveling the U.S. and the world. No, 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 no. I didn't watch. I didn't watch any baseball. Okay. Um, yeah, I was just completely. I was not. I just lost the love for it, um, and then happy I found it again. But uh, yeah, it just wasn't something that interested me too much. So, who was more excited about you going back to baseball, your father or your wife? <laughs> That's funny. Definitely my father. You know, when I told my wife that, hey, I'm thinking about, you know, giving this baseball thing a shot again, she's like, oh, okay, honey, you go and have fun with your boys. Like, she <laughs> certainly didn't. She certainly didn't realize it was. Uh, 
going to come to this, and neither did I, but that's the whole reason I got into it, right? I, I got back into it because I wanted to, to reach the highest point I could possibly get to, so, you know, that was my mindset the whole time, but she didn't fully understand how serious I was about it, and um, so that was a really fun experience for her, and me to watch, too, so... <laughs> Now there, there. I don't know how well you know uh, Evan Gaddis's story. He's from Forney, and and we've written that story here about him and the and the, the sojourn and he had in in uh, baseball, which is very similar to yours. And I don't know if you have y'all ever gotten together and compared notes. No, we haven't spoke. We've only faced each other a couple of times, um, but no, we haven't had a chance to to pick each other's brain a little bit about our time away from this great game. Yeah, he he was the, the highlights for me was once when he he was telling me that he was in San Francisco. He was in a truck that the the starter didn't work, so he had to push the truck to get it started. And uh, he was sleeping in the truck when a cop came up and tapped on the window and told him he had to move on. And he said, "I hate to tell you this, officer, but you're going to have to give me a shove first before I can move this uh, this, this truck." <laughs> he had he had a very interesting uh, he had a very interesting travels as well. So and now that you, so now that uh, this has become a really good rivalry here in the West, we we've never had a baseball rivalry here in Texas because uh, for one thing, the teams were in two different leagues. And when one was good, the other one wasn't any good. And now we got two of them both in the same division. Now, now we've got this going on. So now you, you two guys can maybe, especially if you're facing each other, you can uh, you can twin off about that. Yeah, yeah, that'll be fun. You know, um, I don't know how far or what Houston is away. Four hours. Four hours. Uh, two hundred miles. Okay. Two forty. All right. So, um, but yeah, no, that'll that'll be fun. You know, I've I've, I've wanted to meet him. I've, I've read his story, and um, you know, it definitely is similar to mine. Um, and it definitely has its differences as well. Um, but, but you know, it just goes to show anybody, really, that um, determination just goes a long way. Uh, and just and, and, and being in love with something can really, really take you places. So how do you think that whole experience changed you as a, for when you came back to baseball? The experience of being away from it? Yeah. Um, how does it, well, I mean, um, you know, it's definitely... Bartending is a lot of fun. I had a great time doing it. It was a live music venue. Um, the place was called the Hut. Is that correct? The place is yeah. There we go. <laughs> Little shout out. Uh, the place is called the Hut. He's just um, he's just hoping they sponsor us. At yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, you know I haven't been back there in a few years, so uh, I'm sure it's changed a little bit. But um, you know, so yeah, struggling. You know, living paycheck to paycheck, really, or night to night, really. Um, so I definitely know what it's like to fight a little bit and and fall off your shoes and get back on. Um, so I certainly don't take this for granted at all. Uh, I think about it every day, how blessed we are to, you know, grow our kids up the way we are and, 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 and just really grabbing life at the fullest and, and, and getting after it. And, um, you know, one of the narratives I've always been given about relievers and, and particularly closers is they do have to kind of have had that experience of being – knocked off the horse in, in some regard and either losing a job or, or or having some kind of hardship in order to really have the, I'm going to shrug this all off and I really don't care what you think of me. I really don't care um, how I'm perceived. I don't have anything to lose. I'm going out there with the game on the line and uh, there's nothing that can be done that's going to knock me off of that, that pedestal. Yeah, um, you know, and I think that's, I think that's true with with a lot of ball players too, um, because it's a fight. It's a fight. There's a lot of other guys that want your job, 
Um, and, you know, you don't truly know what it's like to win until you lose. Um, so after, you know, going through all this, um, you know, having a few years pass you, you get to know how to handle yourself and, and you get to know what really works for you and what doesn't. And having that attitude of, you know, F everybody, I know what I'm here to do and that's get you out and that's what I'm going to do. And, um, having that attitude is, is, is what makes winners, um, and then postseason ball, especially. Tom, do you um, recommend this type of thing then for everybody? Should every baseball player take uh, two or three years off? If they want to, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, it, worked, it was great for me. I wouldn't have it any other way. I wouldn't have changed it for the world. So we just um, screwed every farm system in baseball just then when we said that, right? But No, yeah, right. right a lot of talent's going to be out and about, and um, but that made open doors for other guys, you know, too. Um, just follow your heart and, and, you know, trust it and believe it, really. That's, uh, you know, you can't go wrong if, if, if you do that. You, yeah, you've got to be passionate about the job one way or another. If you're not and it does just become a job, I think that's when, that's when guys lose focus. That's when guys tend to um, uh, drift off a little bit and, and they don't come close to maximizing their talent and, I think what we've seen over the last three years is that you are a guy now that you have have, have gotten back in baseball has has become very close if, if not you know reach the the top of his his talent uh, ceiling. Yeah, I'm 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 hoping there's more to come. I'm hoping I'm scratching the surface here because um, I love I love to play and I love to to win and um, to continue that for as um, as long as I can is 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 the main goal. Um, you stay healthy and happy, but but uh, absolutely. Before we let you go, I just want to ask: What was your specialty drink? What 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 do you serve up best as a bartender? And what, what's the best? Oh, and what's boy. the and what's that the greatest? De- that depends. You know, I'm a I'm more of a. We I, it was a foo-foo kind of oh. bar, right? Uh, <laughs> we're, we're, you're in the right you're in the right place because we're foo-foo kind of guys. Bar. Uh, it was very tiki style, so a lot of rum was involved, and I don't particularly care for that. So I like tequila. Um, so I got to mess around with a couple of drinks, and everyone knows the tequila sunrise. So we kind of made a, a tequila sunset, is what we called it. And um, what was and in, what was involved in a tequila yeah. sunset? Yeah, well, you've all heard. T- so the sunrise is the other one that we came up with. Um, so what's the al- just, what's what's the alcohol content in that? Well. I pour. I have a heavy hand, so uh, if you came to me, you would definitely be getting, you know, two ounces of tequila in, in any tequila drink you got. Um, and then, of course, he makes a little OJ cranberry juice and some diet squirt, um, and you have yourself a lovely drink. Yeah, I always have diet squirt. I well, never, I never uh, drink the hard if stuff. If you like tequila, you're you're the right the right state is the state of Texas. We're we're a big tequila state. And and since you had such a heavy hand or heavy pour. Uh, tips must have been good. What? Tips well, must sorry, have. Pour, what was that? Uh, because if 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 you're pouring uh, a lot of tequila in, your tips must have been good. You you. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the idea, right? Right. Um, you definitely get to learn the right customers, though, because uh, some folks, you know, obviously handle their liquor a little bit different. So if you overpour on the wrong person, then you're not going to get tipped at all because they're puking and just somebody <laughs> else. Yeah, then you're just going to have to get the the barbacks out and uh, start to wipe the counter. Tom, we're going to let you go. We have had a great time talking to you. Can you tell me one quick thing before you exit? What is the Bell Road traffic report like these days? What is the 
Bell Be- Road traffic report? Yes, sir. It is awful. Thank you. <laughs> it is awful. Are oh you taking? Gosh, and I don't think that ever changes. I think it's always awful. It, it does. I can't, it, it is the mystery of the desert to me that it doesn't matter which direction, which time of day. If you are on Bell Road between Peoria and Surprise, you are Stuck. in the twilight zone. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna need a a gallon of water for that trip. <laughs> Bag of pretzels uh, and, and, and patience, because it's, it's just murder going through that. All right, well, at least you've prepared me for what I'm going to encounter again when I get out the surprise. So I, I just wanted to make sure there was no flyover or uh, municipal transportation, anything like that. No, it's, it's, it's awful. They're, um, Still sucks. They're doing some construction there, too. So, um, Great. Uh, just, just uh, yeah. Thanks, thanks for leaving the, the podcast on a downer, Evan. Uh, it's all about me, Barry. All right, Tom, well, we will let you go. We'll see you in surprise in two weeks. Thanks for all the time, and uh, we really look forward to dealing with you this year. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. Have fun. Appreciate Take care. It. Thanks, Tom. All right, bye-bye. Well, a pleasant, pleasant gentleman. Very nice guy. He was only stumped by a couple of the questions by you guys. Uh, but, you know, uh, Barry trying to figure out how much he was making in tips. Yeah, what are the tips like? What are you, you considering a bartender? <laughs> I might. It, it might pay better than this. Barry, there well, are no bars. Might. There are no bars where pouring Manischewitz is like... Uh, <laughs> there are bar mitzvahs. <laughs> there are those. There are bar mitzvahs. That's the bar you're working. There uh, you go. You guys are... You guys are but I, I'm, I'm just fascinated by the number of Rangers guests we've had and how pleasant... It, 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 Every week they get it seems to get more pleasant, more pleasant, more happy to see. Well, speak they're just to us. happy they don't have to answer questions from just me for a change. Well, yeah, that's that's right. Well, here's the deal: that it, it hasn't got into the season yet when Evans oh, poisoned them. Oh, oh yes. yeah, when when Evans asked, "Why did yeah. you throw that pitch in, yeah. in that situation?" Yeah, why did you? Well, throw I would have thrown. I would have thrown right. the curve yeah, over here. Evans always telling him that. I saw Evan in there trying to show one of the, one of the pitchers a circle change one day. Did he really? He said, "Here, you gotta, you gotta. Oh no, you gotta shove it back in your hand a little more to do that." I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Are you talking well, so, about? You're talking about a baseball. I, I thought you know. Yeah, the thing. I, the thing I didn't appreciate though in that one particular podcast. You know what that was? No, what? When when Evan shut me down and said, uh, "Kevin, uh, by the way, they're not going to do that situational closer thing." And then what did Tom say? He has a little session uh, with well, Keanu Kelly. Now it's all about you again. Well, of I, course, it's all about me. No, I, I think it, seriously in. In the reality of the world, you know, you hear from guys all the time, well, we want to have roles. We want to know what our right. role is. And Absolutely. it is a game of routines. And your closer typically is in the in the, in the the clubhouse or in the dugout for the first few innings of the game, doesn't go down, doesn't start to stretch until the seventh or eighth. You could make some slight modifications there. But I think in general, you're going to have basic roles. The thing that the Rangers, that does make the Rangers difference is, is there is the opportunity every once in a while for them to throw you a wrinkle. I don't think it's going to be all hands on deck every night. I, don't I, I get what you're saying about all that. I think that all makes perfect sense. But we talk a lot about six-man rotations, right? And I think we're a lot closer to having situational closers than to having a six-man rotation. That's because, a, you know, that's a good question. That really is. But I, I, I think with this club and I think with you, Darvish, here, I think the possibility of a six-man rotation is far greater than the, than a full 
full-on situational reliever in which no rules are dictated. I, I, I think the Rangers would much more look for the opportunity to fold in a six-man rotation here than completely eliminate rules in the bullpen again. I think I, I could see them doing that because, the, first of all, the, the guy who was the closer last year has no, no uh, ego at all, Sean right. Tolleson, zero ego. So you, you could get him to buy into that situation where I'm not, you know, why would you ever even bring him back back-to-back? We talked about three days in a row. Why right. ever do two days in a row? Right. You know, I mean, I, I just don't I don't see the – And you might you it. might have that situation. You might have a situation where, you know, Tolleson gets the first save opportunity, and if, but if he's pitched – if he's pitched more than ten or fifteen pitches in, a, in in an inning, anything above the average number of pitches, all right. The next night we're going to go to somebody else. But the the game isn't there the, a tendency though to go with the hot hand. If, the, the the thing that the Rangers have is they arm. have five potential hot hands out there. Mm-hmm. The thing that we haven't folded into this, and the thing that does give me great pause here is you have four guys in that bullpen in Kella, Tolleson, Dyson, and Deekman who all had more than 65 appearances last year and had 57 or more innings. It's a lot of work for pitchers. And and the idea of having those guys do the same kind of workload this year, you start to wonder if you won't have some kind of injury in there. And you have to plan for that. That's where a guy like Wilhelmson and potentially if Shepard bounces back and now you've got Andrew Faulkner, his depth on the left-hand side, and a guy who I think will really establish himself long-term as a left-handed reliever, you have – both a talented frontline group, and I think you've got – we haven't mentioned Luke Jackson, who's going to figure in at some point in time this year too. You've got depth in the bullpen. I certainly wish the Rangers had that kind of depth in the rotation. I sit here on February 1st really concerned about this team's options for starters. If we have learned anything over the last two years, it's you can never have enough pitching with this club. And what did we talk about the other day, you and I, uh, when I asked you about the fact that the, the rain, that the Astros signed Doug Fister to a one-year deal for $7 million, certainly a very doable kind of deal, uh, and a guy who did not have a great year last year, but he was pretty good two years ago. Uh, and would not he look really good in this rotation now, and he wouldn't be wouldn't in the be, Astros wouldn't rotation. Be, right, he wouldn't be 240 miles down Absolutely. the road. Absolutely. He would have looked good for me. Now, the, the, the question here is his contract is a $7 million base, and there's the opportunity to go to up to $12 million in incentives. But good things are happening if he, if he, if he gets those Absolutely. incentives. Absolutely. But the incentives are always based on innings pitched or game started, okay? Mm-hmm. And if he comes here and you've got, and Darvish does come back in May, the possibility exists that then Fister goes to the bullpen. And if he goes to the bullpen, not as many innings, not as many starts. But you, you were just telling us how worried you were about starting pitching. I'm saying you have to have those options. Here's what what I'm saying. What I also am am, am conceding is just because you have to have those options, it doesn't mean that's the best fit for the pitcher that's out there. You're right. That's the reason why he would would not want to come here. Exactly. But here's the thing I'm, I'm saying about that. I don't see that if he comes here and he pitches the way I think he can pitch, then there's, there's no issue. way he's going to end up going to the bullpen. I, 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 I agree with you. I agree with you. I agree with you. The bottom line is the Rangers didn't express a great deal of interest there. And why do you think that is? I, I think right now this staff leans a little bit more towards the stuff side, and Fister is not a stuff guy. Look, his fastball's down. And and, and I'm saying that this staff leans towards, towards stuff guys. But I think the one guy that's out there that might be a little bit intriguing has lost an awful lot of his stuff, a lot off his stuff, and that's Tim Linscombe, who will pitch for teams in a in kind of a showcase next week. If this team had its its uh, druthers, its druthers, 
And I've never had Druthers. I don't know. You know, I've had a, I had a shot. I had a They're shot. They're really good. You, if you, if you, no, no. If you get a shot, you, you uh, could be sure uh, of not uh, getting uh, Druthers. But if they, if they had their pref, their Druthers, <laughs> keep it up. It would be, it would be a stuff guy. I think when it's, it's all going to come down to it, the the limited amount of money, the limited guaranteed starts that will be out there. I'm, I'm, it's going to have to be a guy that's that, that comes in on a minor league deal. I, I just want to make sure everybody's familiar with the term stuff. What, what what do you mean by when you say if they have a stuff guy? Well, for most of us, Barry, that means like a plus fastball, okay, an above average fastball. Okay, they want they want guys. Who My have, wife listens to this podcast. I want her to know what's going on. Your wife doesn't listen for the content. She listens to hear your voice. She, she does, does not, not, she does not listen, listen to hear for my that. voice. Let me tell you Obviously, you're still a newlywed. <laughs> yeah, she does not want to hear my voice on yeah, anything. That's true. I, I would say that Doug Fister though has been a little underappreciated pretty much his entire career. I agree. Uh, you know, listen, uh, I was I, I'm. I'm very high on Doug Fister, but I also think that the Rangers feel like they're – and, again, I don't know that they had a major league spot to give to a starter, that they feel they feel comfortable giving a major league spot going into spring training to a starter. I think they're looking for a guy to come in on a minor league deal who can um, who can give them some options. And, again, Linscombe coming off of, of, of hip injuries. They're not interested in Tim Linscombe, are they? I, I think he's a guy that they'll certainly scout. I mean, they've had interest in him in the past. And I think it's the kind of guy that he might, you know, you might even be able to have a deal with him where he goes to Round Rock for three or four weeks if there's not a spot in the rotation for him to continue to build up strength after this hip injury. Uh, that's all really conjecture at this point. But they need – I, I, you get to – Chichi Gonzalez right now I think is your number one candidate for the fifth spot going into the season. After that you've got Nick Martinez who has been serviceable in that role. Then you start to get into real questions because there is not – that top level of minor league talent there, all of that was dealt to Philadelphia. You're looking at Anthony Renato, who didn't win a game for this club last year. You're looking at a converted reliever in Cesar Ramos, who we have no idea if he can be a starter. Uh, you're looking at Phil Klein, who was a reliever, who had one okay start and one bad start for the Rangers. Um, you're looking at A.J. Griffin, who could be who could be something, but he's coming back from missing two years. And how often do guys pitching – pitchers come back from missing two full years of baseball to be successful big league pitchers that's really your depth right there now you wrote about chichi gonzalez the other day and how he needs to get more distance between his fastball and his breaking stuff yeah now surely they knew that all along about him uh, yes i think they did and but i also think that there was a little bit more uh from talking to the scouts that i talked to there was a little bit more speed differentiation um between the the breaking ball and the changeup, before he got to the big leagues, I think in the big leagues some of that started to disappear more. And you had basically what amounted to about a four well, mile an hour difference well, between you, fastball you, and breaking you ball. You bamboozled me because you're talking about the depth and how he Fister wouldn't have an opportunity to pitch. Then you're telling me that there's not a lot of depth. I think maybe we should wrap this up. Wow, have I been? I, I, I think you, Barry had to go to the restroom. No, it's. Well, I, I'm looking our producer. Can we get a toilet Evan, in here for Barry? Evan, Evan, your back is to our producer who, get, is, who is who is motioning frantically. We need a porta potty for Barry. No, uh, no, no, we'll no. Barry potty. And before we, before we go, Evan, <laughs> yeah. because you've done such a terrific job, tell us about all the other podcasts we have going this week. Okay, well, the other podcasts that uh, that um, Barry didn't cut off. That Barry. Yeah, We're at 36 minutes. The other podcast, which um, Barry didn't arrange the guests for or didn't cut off, 
Uh, we had uh, John Machota talking about the Cowboys and their time with senior Carson Bowl. Wentz and at the Senior Bowl and their draft possibilities. Very, good, very informative podcast. Yes, it very was. informative podcast. Contrary to you, when you're involved, we I also had we also had Gabe Brooks from Scout.com breaking down Texas's recruiting class on the eve of signing day, looking at the Big Twelve, all the schools in the state of Texas, the rise of Baylor and TCU scouting uh, recruiting classes. Also, the invasion of the SEC into the state of Texas with, with Texas A and M involved. Let's let's Correct. let's get everybody. Let's get all the schools SMU, mentioned. We talked about SMU, right. Houston, Oklahoma, of course, Mary Houston. Harden, Baylor, yeah, whatever. We had them in there too. Incarnate Word. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anybody else? Trinity. Trinity. Thank there you. you. I knew I knew you'd get to Trinity eventually. Grace. I hope you heard that. Trinity. Yeah. Congratulations to Grace Horn, by the way, on being uh, an academic uh, scholar at Trinity. Obviously, she got she got that from her mother. Yes, she did. All right. Well, with that, we're going to sign off. We'll see you next week uh, for Ballsy. I'm Evan Grant. So long, Kevin. See ya. Bye, Barry. Bye, Ev. <laughs>